Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. Well, good, good morning. And it's uh, so good to see you this morning, and we're delighted that you're here. Aren't you thankful for our worship team that leads us into the presence of the Lord each week? Come on, give them a hand clap this morning. I know um, they would be the first to say it's really not about them, but at the same time, we give honor to who honor is due, right? So we're so glad to see you. Everybody doing all right this Thanksgiving week? Ready to get your turkey on, your grub on? Okay, some of y'all not ready yet, but uh, it's coming. It's coming. You can repent today before. I think there's pre-repentance, isn't there? I don't, I don't know. I don't ask for, probably not, but we're going to do well this week. We're glad you're here. A um, couple things before we get started this morning. In your seat, there's a card that looks like this. I want you to grab this real quick and a pen. Uh, you know that normally uh, each week we pray over our movers. Uh, it's 10 people that you've written down that you want to see saved that you know that don't know Jesus. But this morning, we want you to get even more specific. We want you to become very intentional. And so what I'm going to ask you to do as you're listening to the message today, I want you to multitask. In, in your mind, I want you to begin to think about three people that you can uh, help do this with. I want you, to, uh, this has got five slots, so okay, we're going to go to five, because uh, we all should know five people that don't know Jesus. What we're asking you to do is to write down five people that you will personally do a couple things for you. First, you will invite them. We're going to give you two opportunities to invite them. One on December the 22nd, that's a Sunday morning, and then on the 24th, which is Christmas Eve at four o'clock. Both services will be entirely different, but uh, you have two opportunities. So the number one thing you're going to do is you're going to write their name down and you're going to pray for them. And then second, you're going to invite them to one of those services. And then third, because they're new, you are also going to make an agreement that if you can get them to come back on the first Sunday in January, we will have one of our VIP meals or the second Sunday in January, we'll have a VIP meal as well. And you are invited to join them to eat here on those Sundays. Sundays. And so while you're listening to the message today, if you would multitask and really think about the, who the, uh, that, that the Lord would want you to speak to, talk to, pray for, invite, sit with, serve with, come, get them to come see you, whatever you got to do to get them here, kidnap them, hold them hostage, whatever is required, write them down. And then at the end of service, when we take up our tithes and offerings, you can drop that in the bucket and our staff will begin to pray over them for the next few weeks, asking that God will partner with you and begin to prepare their heart. All right, will you, will you do that? Will you participate with that? This is an important time of year. It is one of the most significant times of the year because people's minds and hearts are turned towards what, even if they, even if they seem totally secular in, in their thought process, they understand, most of them, that behind the story of Christmas, the real truth is there. Amen? And so it's a prime opportunity. Well, this morning... We're going to uh, wrap up our series on money. We've been talking about money. We, we started this off and talked about the fact that it seems like all of us get wrapped up in our money, right? And so uh, I'm not going to wrap this around my neck today because then when I go home, my, my clothes are wet from sweating. So, so th we, we've been wrapped up. We've been talking about how do we make our, our money clean? Some of y'all don't even know what this is because you're way too young. But you used to do laundry like this. I didn't do it either. So uh, uh, before machines and we want to make our 
our money clean. So we've been talking about money. Why talk about money in church? Why is it important? Surely you're just talking about money because you want more of it here at the church. I said to you last week, I want to repeat it to you this week. I'm not trying to get something from you. I'm trying to get something to you. And, and we believe that the Holy Spirit works with us. And we talked about God's guarantee last week. We'll talk a little bit about, about that today. Tim Keller says it like this. He says, our bank statements are perhaps the greatest evidence of having minds that have been tr truly transformed by the grace of God. Let that sink in for a moment. Our, our bank statements. Craig Bloomberg calls the way we take care of our material possessions the most important test case of one's profession, profession of discipleship and he says that materialism is the single, single biggest competitor with authentic Christianity for the hearts and souls of millions in our world today. Money is an extremely important topic for us to talk about in church because every one of us handle money and if we don't learn to handle our finances, handle the provisions that God places in our life correctly, it impacts the entirety of our entire, of the rest of our life. And so we must do that. So, so now let me set the scene. Most of us, the truth is this, this series is called Money Laundering. Most of us in our lifetime, now I don't know, I don't know all your stories because some of y'all may be a little scarier than I know, but but, but most of you, I think, are, are probably similar backgrounds to mine. The truth is, is that most of you have never come into contact with people who actually do money laundering. Uh, okay, don't tell me if you, you have because I've got a better opinion of you than that. But, but most of you have never had an experience where you're running around with people that are involved in money laundering. But most of us have watched enough movies to know and, and make have an opinion of money launderers. We have this opinion that people who are involved in the process of laundering money are seedy. Right? They're a little bit shady. They're kind of on the backside of society. They try to hang out in the shadows. They don't want anybody to know what they're doing. They're just a little bit seedy. Right? Okay, am I right? Am I wrong? Am I right? Come on, talk to me. Okay, okay. So, so um, what I want to do uh, with... Taking a risk at offending you at the outset of a message, I just want to look at you this morning and tell you to your face that you are the seediest people I have ever met in my life. All right, and what I want to I want to try to do is I want to encourage you and challenge you as the seediest people that I know. I want to challenge you to come out of the shadows and handle your seed correctly. Uh, let me see if I can explain. Uh, let, let, let's see. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 uh, verses 6 through 11. Listen carefully what it says. It says, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work as it is written. They have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also, listen to this, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way 
so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. I'm going to read that, a little portion of that out of a different version. God can pour on the blessings in astonishing ways so that you're ready for anything and everything. This most generous God who gives seed to the farmer that becomes bread for your meals is more than extravagant with you. He gives you something you can then give away, which grows into full-formed lives, robust in God, wealthy in every way, so that you can be generous in every way, producing with us great praise to God. I, there are so many lessons that I can teach you out of this passage. Uh, I'm going to skip over most of them. I'm just going to mention them and then you can go do, do your own research and study uh, because some of them are, are repetitive and you've heard them all your life. Like there's a classic lesson in here and that is this. If you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. How many times have you heard that in church? I mean, that's been preached until you're going, I've heard that before. Uh, W.S. Plummer says this. He said it best when he said, He who is not liberal with what he has does deceive himself when he thinks he would be liberal if he had more. That's pretty good. And we know most of you have been taught that if you sow sparingly, you reap sparingly. Okay, it's awful quiet in here this morning. So, so the, the writer's also trying to teach us this lesson, that we participate with God to determine the return on what we have. Uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 38, Given it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom, for with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. We know that we participate in our own harvest. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 25, The generous soul will be made rich, and who who waters will also be watered himself. So we know that lesson. There's another lesson I could teach you that it isn't really about the amount, it's actually about your heart. It's about your attitude. God loves a cheerful. Another version says this. It, it literally translates into hilarious. He loves a hilarious giver. In other words, the, one of the lessons that we learn from this passage that you probably already know is that sometimes the most significant and important giving you ever participate in is the one that makes no sense. Like, I don't think I have anything to give and I give and God blesses me. Anybody ever done that where, where you feel the compulsion of the Holy Spirit to give something and you're like, I've only got 60 bucks in my wallet and I, I don't have any gas in my car. I don't have any lunch money. My kids are needing new shoes and you want me to give all 60 bucks? And God says, yes. And you give it and before you can walk out, somebody blesses you. Anybody? Am I the only one? All right, I got some, I got some testimonies in the room that sometimes it makes no sense because it's not about the amount, it's about our attitude. Whether we believe God owns it all. I could point you to the account Mark chapter 12 when Jesus observes and then celebrates the widow who gives two cents compared to the thousands of dollars that the religious important people are giving. And Jesus celebrates the fact that she's giving everything that she has because he recognizes that generosity is not about what's in your bank account. It's about what's in your heart. In fact, I want you to hear me this morning. I'm really not talking to you about being generous inside the church this morning. What I want to challenge you to do is for us to evaluate how we can take the generosity that we express in here. Because I've already told you, you guys are very generous. So how do we get that and we move it beyond these four walls? Because generosity is not just about money. It's about uh, sharing things like forgiveness and grace and friendship and love. I will come back and submit to you that oftentimes, if, we, if we're honest, we, we can say this, is that even though generosity isn't about money, it is, it is usually best revealed by how we use our money. 
So it's not just about money, but how we handle the provisions, financial provisions that God gives us is a good indication about whether or not we have a generous heart or not. Generosity is something that we must become about. Warren Worsby says this, he says, giving is not something we do, it's something we are. It invades our entire life. And so since, uh, since you guys have been in church for so many of you for so long and you've heard all those uh, lessons, I'm not going to teach any of those lessons. I already taught them, but I'm not even going to mention them anymore, all right? Because I want to focus on two lessons out of this account that I want you to get. I think they're game changers for us. The first lesson I want to teach you this morning is this. I want you to know that he will supply seed. He will. You go back and read that passage of scripture before you, uh, uh, before you leave again. Just, just flip back and read it again. And what you will discover is that there is a promise contained in that passage that we pass over. He says very specifically, he will supply seed. It doesn't say he might. It doesn't even say that he's selective. And, and so, uh, so that we come to, some of us have come to this conclusion. Well, he'll give that person seed and that person seed. They must be super Christians because I don't have any of that seed. What's the problem, God? No, there's no, there's no selective criteria mentioned. It's just that those that belong to him, he will supply seed. Period. Will. He will. He will. That means this morning I can look at you and say and declare with no hesitation, you are seedy. That's why we can lay claims to, 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 to promises that are contained in scripture. Like, like uh, if we seek his kingdom first. Y'all know that one? He'll add all this other stuff to us. If we seek his kingdom first, we become seedy. I can lay claim to promises like this. We've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. Enclosed in that proclamation, I will never see the righteous forsaken. That's the promise of his presence. But it also says that we will never see their children begging for bread. That all, that, there's the promise of provision. We are seedy. I'm looking at the seediest people that I've ever met in my life because God has promised he will supply seed. It's there. It's there. Uh, that, that, I need you to understand what that does. That levels the playing field. That means that regardless if you're rich in your own eyes or you're poor in your own eyes, that means whether you're rich by the standards of society or poor by the standards of society, according to God's word, the, level, the playing field is level and we all have been supplied with seed. Come on, touch your neighbor and look at them. I know you've been wanting to do this. Touch the person you're sitting next to. Look at them right square and I say, you seedy. You just seedy. I know you. Yeah, you're seedy. You're seedy. See, we need to get this because I, can I help you this morning? Can I help you this morning? What this does is it gets rid of the victim mentality. Uh, in this day and age, we need to hear this truth right here. The fact that God has promised that he will supply seed, that it is a given fact that we can't get away from it, it is a guaranteed fact, then that gets rid of our victim mentality. I have nothing mentality. I'm not positioned to be generous mentality. You don't know my bills argument goes by the wayside uh, because he's promised that he will supply ample seed. Ample seed. Man, y'all quiet up in here. I guess because I offended you and told you you were seedy. Because some of y'all think, but, but you're seedy. 
So, so there's another truth, second truth, because if, if Scripture says he will supply seed, then I got a question that I want answered. I want to know how much seed. Anybody else? I, I, man, God, if you, if you say you will supply seed, then God, I need you to just kind of also inform me how much seed. How much seed you're going to give me? I need to know. Is it, are you going to give me like millions, God? Are, are, are you going to give me enough seed like hundreds of thousands? Are you going to give me like multiple homes? I need one on the beach. I need, I need one in the mountains. I, I, I need one on Broadway. I, 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 I need multiple homes. I need multiple cars. How much seed? God, come on, tell me. Tell me. Okay, you're not going to like his answer. Because he tells us. He, he, in black and white, some of y'all have been wondering all your life how much seed God's going to give you and bless you because you've been faithfully sowing. I need to know, God, how much you're going to give me. He tells us in black and white. He says that he will supply enough seed to share. Okay. <laughs> so here's the amount. I'm going to give you the exact amount. Are you ready? Go ahead and get your bank book out. You can write it down. I'm going to give you the exact amount about how much seed God's going to give. He will put enough in your hands. Here it is. That you can actually respond generously in every situation. That ain't Steve's words. That's not my thoughts. That's black and white scripture that God will provide enough seed in your life that you can be generous in every situation. Ooh, some of y'all don't like me right now. So, since he says that he will give us enough seed to be generous in every situation, then there's a conclusion that we must reach. And that is this. If we are not generous in every situation, it is not due to lack of seed. Anybody else think logically like I think? If Scripture tells me, Steve, that God is going to give Steve enough seed that Steve can be generous in every situation, there's never a question, if I see a need, I've got enough seed to handle that need, then I must also logically conclude that when I see a need and I don't respond generously, that it's not a seed issue. It's a heart issue. And it's whether or not we're willing to release the seed that God has given us plenty of, rather than consuming it and using it all for us. The, this promise, the promise is this, that he will pro provide enough to, to share and that should force us to stop and reconsider what we have and how we use it. I, I want to submit to you this morning that most of us, have more than we need. Amen. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to wait until you, until I, I, this one I'm going to wait on you. We got to embrace this. Most of us are not honest to admit or we take so much for granted that we refuse to admit. And I'm going to hit one other way here in just a second that's going to bother you. But let me just stop right here and Park and say, most of us have more than we need.
we simply don't want to share because we haven't recognized that many times what we have and what we're hanging on to so tightly is actually extra rather than essential. Now, listen, I know my audience. I'm talking to materialistic, consumer-driven Americans. And we become very satisfied with extra. And we call it essential. But the truth is, is it's not necessary for life. And we hang on to it, and we grasp it for our life. And we refuse to share, even though Scripture says, I'm going to give you enough ample supply so that you can respond in generosity in every situation, but I don't have enough. <laughs> okay, so let me give you my personal experience. The, the, um, the most uh, visible demonstration of this took place in my life. I, I want to say, um, and Julie could help me if I'm wrong, it doesn't really matter what year it was. We, did, we went to Guatemala two years in a row. That's where I met Pastor Luis. He was the missionary there. And on both occasions, one of the stops that we made was that he took us into Guatemala City. Guatemala City is the national capital, I guess, of Guatemala. I'm not that great on, on, on all, all that stuff. All I know is there are um, thousands and thousands, hundreds of thousands. And I think it's like when we went, it was like a million people living in that city. And we would go into the city and we'd go into the center of the city to the city dump. Anybody ever been to the Oklahoma City dump? Okay. Uh, come on, raise your hand if you've been to the city dump. Okay, most of you, not all of you. Uh, it's right down here on council. You can just keep going. You can usually spot it because of the birds in the air. It's decent size. It's, it's bigger than all of our property, probably four or five times bigger than all of our property piled high with trash. The difference is in Guatemala City, the dump is probably 15 or 20 times that size. And there are five, at that time, 5,000 families that lived not around the dump, in the dump. You could see their little, their little huts. They'd, they'd gather uh, cardboard and, and tin and make little huts right there in the dump. And they lived right there. And we pulled down into the city dump. One of the most life-changing moments of my life, and I know for my kids, because it wrecked my kids. I took... Uh, 19 kids one time I think and 30 something the next time and we'd pull in and we'd get out and we'd walk down there in the dump and every time both both occasions as we're there the, the, the dump trucks would pull in and they'd back into the center of the dump and they would raise the bed of the, the big dumpster truck and it would begin to dump the, the, the refuse and the garbage and the filth of the city and we would watch as children would stand under the dump truck and let it pour over them so that they could be the first to grab whatever scraps, whatever materials, whatever clothing they could get their hands on. And that's how they live. And we'd load back up in the van and as you can imagine, complete and total silence. For the next hour, hour and a half, I would watch seedy kids who were selfish and self-absorbed and self-centered and needed six Game Boys and uh, 82 Nintendos and had closets full of clothes 
And I would watch them break down and cry and come home and empty out their closets. And I came home after spending time with Luis and realizing that he probably at that time had two pairs of jeans that he would alternate every other day because that's all he had. And I would walk into my closet and I would see the seven or eight or nine or come on, let's be honest. Some of us have 15 or 20 pairs of jeans that, or pants. And we would and, and we we stand there for 15 seconds, 30 seconds, two minutes, five minutes. Try them on, take them off, get another pair, put them on, take them off until we land on the one we want. And I suddenly realized that what I have is extra. It's not essential. And what I finally come to grips with and finally understand is that we're seedy. If you live in America, you're seedy. You don't even have to, for the most part, there are areas in America this is not true. But for most of you sitting under the sound of my voice and for most of the people that uh, that you know, they're seedy. Even if they're not Christians, they're seedy. They've got more than enough. But what I want to challenge you this morning is this. I want you to begin to think differently. You say, well, you don't want us to have anything. That's not what I said. I said God would give you stuff. I just said God would give you. He will supply seed. That ought to to encourage you. That ought to make you happy. You ought to walk out of here on a cloud of man. You ought to, woohoo. In fact, when you get to the restaurant, just look at your your waitress today and say, I want you to know that I'm the seediest person you're going to meet today. Uh, And then prove it when you give her the tip. I, I just want to challenge you this morning to begin to look at what you have been given. Well, I earned it. Only because God allowed you to earn it. I want, I want you to, this is what, I believe that God has already done what he said he would do. I just think our issue is this, we fail to realize that he's done it. So we walk into our nice houses and we complain, I need a bigger house. We, we drive our cars home and we go, well, I'm not sure it's going to make it another four months. At least you got one. You walk into your closet and you're tired of wearing the same clothes over and over again because you wore that two months ago and somebody at church might remember. Y'all looking at me funny, but there are days I forget what I wore past Sundays. I have to go look at live stream and say, oh yeah, I wore that last Sunday. I can't wear that this Sunday. And I suddenly realize I'm stinking seedy, man. I I just want to challenge you this morning. I want to dare you as seedy folks. I dare you. That, that when you go home, could, could we just do this? Could we just make a corporate, a corporate decision that all of us, we're just, regardless if you make uh, 20000 a year or 120000 a year, I don't know where you all fall. It doesn't matter. This levels the playing field. The, the, the question, the, the equation is not once you hit a certain level financially, then you become seedy. You are already seedy. So the, 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 the wealthiest person sitting in the room this morning and the poorest by society standards sitting in the room this morning were equal. Well, I don't have as much. Do you have enough? Because if you got enough, then God's already done what he said he would do.
Okay, so this is the challenge. I want you to walk into your home. And when you walk home, when you walk into your house, apartment, rental home, double wide, doesn't matter. When you walk in, but my house is not nice, is there, does not matter. When you walk in, I want you to stop. Will you? You got to help me. We got to do this today, okay? Because I'm not going to preach to them what we're not willing to do. When we walk in the door, I want you to stop and look. And I want you to see everything you see as seed. When you go to the bank this week, and you find out that you've got a, this limited supply, or maybe you go to the bank and there's plenty. I want you to go to the bank differently this week. I want you to deal with the bank online. I want you to deal with the bank through the drive through the ATM machine. When you do whatever you do financially, I want you to stop for just a moment and go, what I see is seed. And I want to tell you this morning that God will give you enough seed and is good with you using your seed to take care of you and yours. He's good with that. In fact, we're instructed to take care of our own. But I also want to submit to you that if all of us would look at what we already have with the eye towards the fact that it's seed, I think what we would discover is that we have enough seed to share. See, when we start talking about money, people get nervous because they think, well, we're talking about this tithes. Let's just take tithe off the table and let's go back to New Testament standards instead. Because some of y'all sitting here go, well, tithe isn't even a New Testament standard. That's great. Let's have that argument. Because in the New Testament, what it says they did, here's the standard. They sold everything and shared it with those in need. Because they recognized that it was seed. I think that we are the seediest people and that there is enough seed in our life to bless somebody else this season. And we'll never miss it. But here's the truth. Our ability to respond to the challenge that I've given you today to begin to see things as seed comes down to this one simple truth. And this is what we're going to wrestle through this morning. And I hope you will wrestle through the rest of the day. And that is our perspective of ourselves. Do you see yourselves as seedy or do you see yourselves as needy? I have made up a word in a long time. And it's about time. It's been like months, all right? I, I did not say, are you seedy or wanty? Because some of y'all just wanty. I'm wanty. There's some things I want. I don't necessarily need them. I just want them. But if my perspective would change, I would recognize that God has blessed me so much, I have to see myself as seedy rather than needy. And what better season than this season? Thanksgiving season, Christmas season, to walk around as seedy folks that are willing to share what God has blessed them with. But we got to see ourselves correctly. And so in the coming months, we're going to give you the challenge. In fact, on December the 15th, we're, uh, the, the skill level, some of the folks in this church blows my mind with the blessing of some of the skill level. We're going to have a, a full-size sleigh out in our uh, lobby and it, we're going to use it for pictures and stuff like that. But on December the 15th, because you're so seedy, 
we're also going to give you the opportunity to bring blankets and beanies. My parents looked at me and said, what's a beanie? It's a toboggan, all right? Different generation, different words. Beanie, it's a toboggan. We're collecting blankets and beanies, and we're going to give them to folks in need. Then in January, when we're talking, I, man, I don't even want to let the cat out of the bag. We're doing a series called Six Foot Baby that I am so excited about. Uh, y'all don't even know, maybe the most most important series we've done since climate change, if that gives you any reference. But during that series, we're going to take up diapers and we're going to give them to a, um, a home that's in Blanchard, I believe it is, where uh, single moms are choosing to keep to have their babies rather than abort their babies. And then throughout the course of this next year, I'm not going to let this cat out of the bag because I still don't have timing from the Lord yet. But the finance team has already begun to work towards this. We're laying seed aside so that we can help a sec segment of society that is in desperate need for help. And at some point when the Holy Spirit says, now I'm going to tell you about that next year and give you the opportunity. And together we're going to raise $75,000 and we're going to make it happen. So I just, why are you telling us now? So you won't consume all your seed on yourself. So you'll allow the Holy Spirit begin to talk to you in this season. You'll begin to put seed aside and say, that's more than I need. That's more than I need. I don't know what I'm going to do with it yet, but that's more than I need. I'm going to lay it aside. And then when God says, I'm going to be generous on every occasion. Not just the ones that pull on my heartstrings. Not just the one that just push my buttons. But scripture says, I will have the ability to be generous at every occasion. Because we're seedy. I'm done. I, I, I want to remind you, if you didn't fill out a God's guarantee card, you say, well, Steve, I don't have enough. I don't think I have enough. Then I want to challenge you. If you didn't sign this, sign it. It's, it's out there on the table. And we, we want you to have the opportunity to sign it today and just, just give it to the green room. And it just simply says, I'm going to tithe faithfully. Give the first fruits of my life for the next 90 days. And test God like he says to. And I believe that it, he'll come through and give me more seed than I need. But if he doesn't, then I can come to the church and say, well, God didn't come through. And we'll give you everything back. All 90 days worth of your tithes and offering will money back guaranteed. Because we know God says he will supply your seed. Father, in Jesus' name this morning, I pray that you would convict us in our It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.